Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Bootstrapped Web. Mr. Brian Castle. Mr. Jordan Friday. It's Friday. It is Friday. You're going to Hawaii. What? Tomorrow? Tomorrow morning. Oh, man. I'm already checked in, bro. (laughs) It's ready. You're checked in, but the question is, are you checked out yet? I'm not checked out yet, but I am almost there. The truth is, we had a demo this morning with like a fantasy customer. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. And then got a few things done. And I, I'm actually done with like responsibilities for for the week. So I'm almost checked beautiful. out after this podcast. How about that? Beautiful, beautiful. So what's the plan? Like how many days? Uh, yeah. We are staying at one hotel the whole time for seven nights. Perfect. Last time we went, we did like an Airbnb condo half the time and then the hotel. But we had such a good time at this hotel that we were like, we just want that on repeat. Oh, so just going right back. Yep, going right back. So I love it. Yep, yep. Uh, so that's extremely exciting. I am, uh, I'm sad to miss Shop Talk, which is a conference in Vegas, uh, because last year when we went, we got an enormous amount of value from that. Um, but we have two people on the team that are still going, and you know, I'm not about to not go away with the fam just for that. So it's okay. Uh, yeah. A whole Beautiful. week away. And, and is your plan really to uh how how disconnected do you plan to be? Are you gonna be checking in? Are you gonna actually open your laptop? I don't think I'll open the laptop unless it's necessary. I consider just not bring the laptop, but that's probably more stressful than just dragging it along. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we have we have enough going on, and there's you know a, a big effort at Shop Talk to get things done. So we hired a new uh biz dev partnerships person. He's going with Sam. So Rob is our our new team member. He just joined like two weeks ago and he is he's a force. So he's like got a big network and is going out there and they're going to meet like 30 people. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. And I want to be there to support them on, you know, my, my point of view on that stuff is helpful because I have like Intel. They're like, oh, we just met this person. And I can usually add some context on that company did this thing with that company. They raised money from this person and this like, you know, that that helps on the relationship front. Right. Uh, but I'm really, I'm going to try to check out. What I have found myself is I'm in like a moment right now where I have an enormous amount of energy for the business. I'm pumped mm-hmm. up. And because of that, I get, I like last night, I got an idea. I got out of bed, went to the computer, created like a screenshot the way like my non-technical, like clunky way to do it, and then shared it with the team. And I was like, this is where this feature can go. This is like where I see it going. You know, there, there is so much uh, like whatever, like hate on like hustle culture and like, and, and really working your ass off and all that. But like, Man, sometimes work is like so much fun and inspiring that you just want to get in. And dude, I have those nights too. I come in here, I work for like four hours in the middle of the night for, for no reason. It's not, it's not a hustle thing. It's not a dragging yourself and I, I'm, I feel guilty about it or I got, I got to you know put in the hours. It's not actually that. It's it's joy. It's enjoyment, yeah. creativity. Yeah, we we get to do this for a little. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, That's right. And, you know, with, with vacationing and I have two trips coming up in April, one is a family trip for like four days. We're going to drive down to Myrtle beach. Um, and then the, the week after that, I fly to microconf and, you know, lately or the last several trips, I, I have not done the fully disconnect thing. And I still yeah. find like it's, I'm plenty disconnected, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially with the ones with the family where it's like, we're just there's a lot of relaxation, a lot of just doing fun activities, a lot of travel days, but there is still like natural downtime, even, yes. even at home on weekends and stuff like, you know, we will have a great Saturday or we'll have a great day on a, on a vacation, but there's still like three, four hours in there where we're just chilling out after, after a long morning of doing activities or something. That's like right. That. And that, and that's, you know, I'm fine with checking in and, and doing some stuff. The, the only thing that I try to avoid is like, actually doing any projects or having any goal to like i'm not trying to ship anything right you're not looking at the to-do list yeah there's no to-do list but Mm -hmm. my computer's there if i've got nothing else to do i'll I'll pick it up you know yeah yeah i'm i'm you know we have a new factor our our oldest daughter has an iphone now 
Oh, so so we are, you know, we are now in a phase where we are always in danger of being hypocrites. Uh, <laughs> if we if we ask her to, you know, behave a certain way with the phone. And so one of the things that we're finding is like we are more inspired to basically not be hypocrites yeah. and say, put the damn thing away. Don't pick it up. We're eating. We're this. We're that. So I think that will actually help. It'll basically help me pick up the Kindle instead of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's such a strange thing that those are two electronic devices with screens, but the message that it sends to you, your, right, yeah. yourself, your spouse, your kids, it's it's a very different message. Yes. Yeah. Strange totally, thing. Totally. But that's what it is. Yeah. My kids are still on, on iPads, but they do have their like Apple username. So we text all the time and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my older is, uh, you know, she's getting into using the Mac and creating and doing all these projects on on the mac now um and it's been really cool to see her get into that uh because you know and and i i i show her certain things like so um she's really into like creating games on roblox like she actually like uses roblox studio on the mac and like and publishes games and stuff like that wow um and uh and so i showed her like well you know she need, needed to make some like title graphics i was like well this is canva you use this it's a simple way to create graphics um you know she uses some some apps to do some like 3d printing we, we started doing that and um the latest one this week i just opened up and, and this gets into what we should probably talk about is ai okay bing you know microsoft bing uh-huh. they won the race to image creation in its simplest form. So, you know, we, we've known that there's been like Dolly and, mm-hmm. and uh, Mid Journey and all these things, but like those things are weird, right? Like Mid Journey, you got to like sign up for Discord and, and yeah, it's type, a- type a prompt into this random, like join a chat room and like authenticate and all this, this weird, weird workflow stuff that okay. only like tech geeks are going to understand. Right. How is it in Bing? Bing launched bing.com slash create. You go okay. there, you type it in, you type in a prompt into a box, it spits back an AI generated image using, okay. using so they, open, open AI's thing, which I think is is Dolly. Um it's the it's the simplest form of accessing that version of the the, the image generation on the AI, right? So so now my my kids are in there like doing you know, hmm. me a, a, a dog like dancing on a planet made of tacos and all the, all this random stuff, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, but they they just get creative with it and they and they build stuff with it, and um, it's really cool. Very cool. Do do we want to we want to segue into AI? It's a perfect segue. Yeah, I mean, right. but like that's one of the things that I've been I've been so interested in watching this as everyone else. One of the interesting things is these huge companies, Microsoft, mm-hmm. Google. I don't know what Apple's up to. Yeah, Maybe Apple, it's- Facebook. These, it's all circling. But watching this thing between Microsoft and Google, they are they are both race, and then of course OpenAI. Right. They are bo- they are both racing to ship, and I've I've never seen huge companies like this ship so. No. So quickly. I mean, obviously, especially Microsoft has been working on this for probably a long time before anyone knew about it. But the, you don't you don't see this kind of speed mm. in terms of shipping new new features, new products. And clearly, Google is playing catch up. And like you know, you just don't see this kind of stuff. It just yeah, speaks Google to how playing catch up. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's odd. Yeah, it scares the hell out of me because it feels like so much of this is dominated by the biggest companies and also the biggest startups. So even, even the companies that are not, you know, massive publicly traded behemoths, it's still the, the intercoms of the world that are launching these features. And yeah, I don't know. I, I notion now. Yep. Yep. I I'm, I'm getting pretty worried about what smaller companies can do about this. But the the speed is the speed is pretty wild. I, it's pretty tough to discern what's happening. It's cool to see the big companies battling. It's also very strange to to have a good understanding of like where's the value in in this stack. Like, does everything get commoditized because everything's available 
from the same source? Like, does all the value accrue to OpenAI? Like, yeah. it's confusing. It doesn't feel. And there, there are like competing a good underlying. I mean, OpenAI is is probably the most popular and, and most well known one. They've, mm-hmm. they've got Chat GPT and everything, and they're partnered up with Microsoft. So everything that Bing is doing is on uh, is using uh, you know OpenAI stuff. Um, but Google has its own engine. Mm-hmm. And then I, I believe that the one that's in Notion is not either of those. I think it's this other one. I forgot the name now. Right. There are, right. Even, even that, even the model starts to get commoditized. Yeah. But then it starts to depend on dates. It's, it's kind of hard to understand because there doesn't feel like a great analogy, right? People are like, this is a shift like web to mobile. I'm like, okay, I, I hear you, but I can wrap my mind around uh, I do the difference think between a screen are, and a device, um, but. I mean, I, I do think that we are seeing something major here. I, this is not, you know, and, and I've heard a few people say like, oh, it's, it's overblown. It's overhyped. This is just a, a trend. Like, uh, uh-uh. like this uh-uh. is not, a, it, first of all, you don't see these huge companies shifting on a dime like this for just a trend. Yeah, scrambling. Uh, number, number two, I mean, the use cases and, and, and the speed of advancement are just so obvious. Um, and, and, and I mean, I start to see it in my, I use it multiple times a day for multiple different things from coding to writing to, you know, marketing and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, there is also, but, yeah, okay. I was going to say the, one of the most exciting parts, uh, elements of this is that it's not just tech in, in much the same way that like blockchain and crypto was new tech, uh, the issue with blockchain and crypto was there wasn't that much demand from like the outside market outside of that initial use case of speculation. Right. This is an enormous amount of demand. So these companies it's that are launching are and, growing and it, and it's just, like amazing. It, it really is a good analogy, like crypto to, to AI, because like AI, the, the use, the applications of it, to me, it just seems so obvious, and you and you already start to see it with with a thousand different startups coming up right now, um, around all these different use cases. I mean, that's that's the difference to me. That was the the disconnect for me with with quote unquote Web three, or maybe this will be the Web three, right? But um, you know, crypto was interesting. Maybe there's some sort of future for it, but. I just don't see how it actually connects to the real world the way that AI. Yeah, can, you know. it's, I mean, it's a different issue, different topic, because, you know, I'm very upset about what's happening there. And I think the U.S. government's making these crazy mistakes, but they're half understandable. Anyway, that's like a different thing. But yeah, we we know of people also in, in our worlds launching startups and we see like the, the build in public type people, the demand is wild. People want this stuff and they want to pay for it. They want the value that it generates. And so that that's exciting. It's not just tech, right? We talked about Bing going to create, you know, pictures of worlds made of tacos is cool. And it is a toy, but it's pretty clear that there are a lot of business applications and a lot of demand for those applications. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, maybe we'll get into it later in the show, but like uh, I spent the week working on marketing stuff and overhauling our SEO process, our content strategy a lot of SOPs for, for me and my assistant. And part of that is incorporating AI to streamline our, our processes, right? Like it's definitely making its way into actually how we do our work. Um, and I've been using it in, in development as, as a tool, as an assistant, as a tool in, in the toolbox. Uh, and that's how I see it just in terms of like day-to-day usage. Like it's, it's an assistant. And I think that's actually how you start to see the Googles and Microsoft starting to brand it it's like look this is not a do it for you it is a, a do it with you it's it's an assistant it's a collaborator right you you, you bounce ideas off of it. that's literally how i've been using it I, I wrote copy for a bunch of new pages this week i would draft the copy first i plug it into chat gpt and, and it helps me make it better you know huh. um it's the bicycle I, I analogy talk- yeah, it's, I mean, it's humans with a bicycle. It doesn't mean the human gets replaced. It means the human has the superpower to go much faster than they could without it. Yeah, and and I'm you know we're building out a, a process for how we prepare like article briefs for for articles that we develop, right? And I, I'm making a, this SOP for my assistant, and part of it is like okay, so like build out uh, a, a couple of like title ideas and like outlines, and then you know plug that into ChatGPT and see see what other ideas you might have missed to make it even better and. 
you know, just like, like stuff, like just sprinkling it in. We're not asking it to write the whole thing for us. We're not asking it to mm-hmm. generate articles. It's, it's just, um, where, but like, where, okay. where are like the opportunities in terms of like, cause this gets to what Justin Jackson was tweeting about mm-hmm. this week. Um, and, and Justin, I think I want to maybe try to debate your, your Twitter thing here on the podcast a little bit. <laughs> Well, uh, well, okay. So, why don't you read the tweet so everyone gets the orientation on it, and then, okay, and then like let's 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 talk about it. And I think I agree with parts of it, and I think part of it I maybe don't agree with. All right, so it's a thread, right? But his, his first one is, I'm seeing more. This is from Justin. He, he says, I'm seeing more DMs from founders launching standalone products built on top of ChatGPT. They ask me for my advice, and honestly, I don't know what to tell them. Differenti- differentiation will be challenging many of the products that I'm seeing are similar to each other, which that's yep, I, I'm for sure. sure. I mean, we, we see like a, a bunch of the same stuff popping up because so there's a bunch of like obvious use cases, right? Like whether it's building chatbots or you know, AI, writing your emails and stuff like that. Um, I'm just sort of like skimming through the rest of this thread. There, there is some good stuff in here. Uh, the biggest risk uh, is that ChatGPT enabled apps um, are just implementing these features directly in their apps. Who profits? OpenAI. Um, he goes on to like it, it's like the ultimate form of platform risk, if you will, which is an, an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to to what he's saying in here, but I do th- still think that there are opportunities, especially right now, how early we are um, for smaller indie companies and there probably are are opportunities for the bigger players as well uh, or those who are trying to take a bigger swing and i actually think that what justin is saying here in terms of like the risk factors probably apply more to the bigger swings but i th- i tend to think that there are more opportunities here for the smaller swings that can still be life-changing for folks like us like, you know do you see that as so right, one of the things he's saying there is around adding it into your feature set yeah. compared to building an entire company and product around it. And this, this form of risk took on a new, right, a, a new reality with the release of their, of their plugin, their app store. So yeah, if you are, super if you're right, if you're kind of building on top of open AI and you're saying, uh, our service provides, you know, AI with X, and then all of a sudden the app store opens up and it's much, much easier to start plugging things in. Like, does that mean you don't have a business or does that mean you have a different type of business? I mean, there are so many different angles to look at this, but like people talk about this thing of platform risk and believe me, I get it. Like I tend to try to avoid platform risk when I can, but everyone talks about it as, as this like major, uh, downside like like risk factor like avoid it at all costs but i mean talk to any anyone who runs a wordpress business they are built on a platform and there are some incredible businesses built on top of you know um uh it's it's not always a bad thing and especially if you get in early like there is a a, you know if i don't know what this plugin thing with open ai is going to turn into but to be one of the first players with a with tools in this ecosystem yeah, you're gonna you're gonna build a good business on that. Like, yeah, that's right, um, that's right. Uh, but the the thing that I really think about though is it it's not all that different from just bootstrapped SaaS in general. Like, if you go back several years, five ten years, you know, uh, software for kitchen countertop in, in, installers, software for lawyers, software mm-hmm. for house cleaners. You know, right, software, very vertical, you know, very vertical. You can leverage AI in new ways, and it's just like building on top mm-hmm. of like Ruby on Rails. Like, we, yes, yeah, to some degree, right? Or, or it, building a, a Shopify app or a it's, WordPress app. You know, like it's a framework that enables rapid development of really great tools that that you can absolutely sell to vertical markets. I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, just I, nail I, a pain point that people, I mean, right now, like one of the first pain points being solved is around writing, right? That's what chat GPT focuses on language. And I mean, I, I, that's when, when we talk about pro, uh, platform risk, like yes, chat, uh, open AI kind of controls that technology, 
but I see it as much bigger than just their company, right? Like I think building on top of something like Shopify or maybe even WordPress, like there's opportunities there, but there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of risk. Yeah. But I think of the, just building with AI in general and using what OpenAI has, like it's much more to me, like closer to like just tech stacks. Like I'm building on Ruby. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm you not that worried about that platform risk. I'm not worried about it, but like, I don't know, in a couple of years, maybe Ruby will be completely obliterated from the scene and we won't be able to hire developers. I don't know, whatever. Right. Is, but but like, that's a different form. But I, I just think that like technology like this is, is so, so much bigger than that. Um, and there are such smaller business ideas that can be had that, you know, uh, you know and, and like another angle to think about this is like, if I were running audience ops today um, or any sort of content business or any marketing agency type business, I mean, you can't not think about how AI plugs into this business model and think about all the ways that it can help streamline the process. That doesn't necessarily mean even replacing people, um, but it can absolutely help writers write faster, help editors edit faster, you know, um, and that, that can mean delivering the service faster, cheaper, you know, uh, or more, more profitable. Like there's definitely opportunities here. I, I wouldn't write it all off in my opinion. Uh, I, I agree. The, the bigger danger in terms of a platform, uh, risk seems to be from competition because it's yeah. such a superpower that you're building on top of, but you're not the only one it's open. So other people can build it also. And that that's a, much healthier version of of capitalism and and risk than the platform itself trying to intrude on your territory or whatever else happens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, we we look at it as we look at it from like a data point of view. Like what can what value can we add leveraging an a an AI service because we're not going to build that. What data do we have that we can add value to our customers with uniquely, Mm -hmm. right? So for us, it is, think about what we do, right? Check out with post-purchase offers. So what should we do? We should use AI models to help create recommendations for post-purchase offers on an ongoing basis that optimizes over time, right? For example, or Mm -hmm. go back over the last 12 months look at a bunch of data and see what is bought most often with other things. And then, you know, if we built the algorithm, it's like what products are bought together. If we leverage an AI model, it's what time of day, what geography, what, you know, all the different factors that can, that can be digested in a way that we're, we're just not going to do that. We're not going to build that model. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there, there are plenty of like, feature ideas that I could definitely see coming into clarity flow in the next, who knows, next, next couple of years. I mean, um, I mean, there are some obvious ones, uh, but like one is like, actually you can take cues from how these big companies are, are implementing AI in their products. Right. Cause you, you see how, you know, so Microsoft, and it's so funny how it's Microsoft, like kind of leading the, the way right now. I'm, I'm yes. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> Ian, Ian had a, had a great tweet the other day. He was like, and it's so it's so Microsofty the way that they present their. Uh, I thought that was funny. I mean, like their, their videos, their are, demo their videos, videos are hot though. The videos they're yeah. making for the products are really good. Totally. So they they're incorporating it into their whole office suite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and like one of the one of the interesting aspects of that is that like I, I guess in Microsoft Teams or or Microsoft whatever their their version of. Uh, of zoom is mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can be on a, yeah so you can be in there and then the ai like summarizes what what's been said in this meeting so far right and it, and it even says like oh jordan was excited about this point and and it'll like summarize that if i come to the meeting late um just in real time you know using mm-hmm. ai um you know just things like that and, and i start to think about like well in, in in clarity flow we you know we have a lot of messages a lot of people record really long messages and we already transcribe it, but it would be great if like an AI can kind of pull out the key points between a coach and their client. Um, and, or, you know, there's that, or you can have it, have it like auto generate a response. Um, we can work it right into our workflows. Like there, there's all little, 
little areas where we can start to implement it as as features. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. going to be everywhere. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be everywhere. Like yep. part, parts of apps that are just standard. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, and you hear that as like general advice too for, for founders, right? And I think that's part of what Justin was talking about, how like it's, it's more about AI features than products. Um, but the thing that I would say to that is it's, it depends on what, what your current goal is as a founder, right? Like I'm already, you know, in the thick of this business with, with clarity flow, right? Uh, I'm not going to turn on a dime with, with AI. I'm not going to. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) How much fun do you have? (laughs) No, right. But like, and, and I'm not, I'm just in this phase of of this business in my career where I, I don't need, but if I'm, you know, talk about like the stair step approach. And if you're looking for a, your first time thing to get your very first customers paying for your very first product, I mean, there's absolutely things that you can build. You know, um, the other day, this guy had a had a Twitter thing that went viral. That it's like a Chrome extension to to have like an AI prompt in any field on the web. Like, I pre-purchased that, like you know, just because it look it, it looks super useful, right? Yeah, and and like this guy just just got like the his first ten customers as as a as an indie hacker, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. There's stuff like that, you know. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, l- 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 let's see what happens over the next six months because it's only been a few months since mm-hmm. this really hit the scene, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what what comes next that blows our mind because we we you know we had some mind blowing moments over the last few months around just how accurate and how good the writing was. And now all of a sudden the imagery, then you get the voice, then you get the video, then you get like this artificial reality yeah. type of a aspect when all those things come together and we'll Super see where we'll see. I mean, there's goes. a lot of scary stuff too, you know, like what, oh, what yeah. it might be used for, but like, but, and just the, the pace of the advance. I mean, we're literally in a matter of weeks going from like GPT-3 to GPT-4 has just been mm-hmm. kind of crazy. And I, I've been playing with GPT-4 and it is definitely better, like- <laughs> Clearly, cool. the the words are better. Like, um, anyway, yeah. All right. All right. Well, well, what else we got? What's going? happening back back uh, on ground level? Back on ground level. Um, besides <laughs> nursing my root canal and looking forward to Hawaii, uh, this week was really busy for us. Um, we are. We I think we talked about this experiment that we're running. We're switching to f- to self serve free trials. Mm. That means you no longer have to do a demo and talk to us before you can create an account. We we did version one of the experiment in just one very small channel. Through the Big Commerce App Store, you can now create an account on your own. And it's the only channel that you can do that in. So it's like this very limited experiment at first. Yeah, and it's what only we, for Big Commerce. Only for big, it's just that one link from the Big Commerce App Store, you can go to a page where you can create an account. So that's the first time account creation has been made public. And that has just been a really interesting learning experience because what we are finding is that having the exact same sales conversation with almost the same sales process, right? You can't launch on your own. It's not fully self-serve. But having that sales conversation from the point of view where the user already has an account and has done their own exploring has changed the nature of the conversation. They're just like, yeah, I get it. What do I need to do to get started? It's almost like they they went and they explored how our product fit their expectations or not. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of make a decision on their own already. They're like, all right, I, I want to try it. What do I need to do next? Yeah. So we've had a few merchants go live from that process very, very quickly. You know, Come in, create a free trial, do a call the next day, go live later on that day. And that's obviously we want more of that. So now we're turning it into the site itself. So at some time next week, you'll be able to just go on and create that. And that's also part of an effort for developers to do that along with documentation. So we're just kind of moving in that direction overall. I, I love to hear it, man, because it's like, you know, there are these things of like, like in terms of like pre-qualifying sales leads, right? Like you, you want to sort of pre-qualify on, on price. You don't want to get onto a, a demo call if, if it's completely out of their price range. But um, pre-qualifying on product, you know, getting they're they're already in there. They've they've toyed around with it, but then they 
you know, th- then they're ready for a conversation means like it's, you know, pretty close to closed. Right. It's almost like, okay, what do we need to do to get out of your way, help you out, make yeah. sure everything's set up. Uh, it is, it's one of these things that's lingering in my mind. One, I'm really excited to see what happens. And then there's another little part of me, like, why did we do this six months ago? <laughs> you know, but in many ways we, we weren't quite ready for it. We're much more ready now to be able to just like create an account and get live very, very quickly. We have multiple people on the team. Rock doesn't need to be involved in the onboarding. We have solutions engineers, kind of like we're more mature. Uh, yeah. That's, that's my next question is how, how are you handling onboarding? Right. Like, did this change the flow? Like, what do they see as they get in there? Well, we we got our new solutions engineer, Francisco, up to speed. So he joined, I don't remember when he joined, but pretty recently. And then there was a period of knowledge transfer from Rock, who was, you know, the architect of the system and wanted to also learn from merchants. So he would do the onboardings and he would do the implementation. All right, here's this piece of JavaScript on your theme. Let's save a copy of your theme in case anything goes wrong. Just that whole process. Once he handed it over to Francisco, we now have Francisco and then we have Aaron who does our customer success and they can just onboard someone on their own now. So that that has changed the nature of things. And so there's no Thursday we have an opening for an onboarding. It's like, what are you doing this afternoon? Mm-hmm. So that is just much, that capability has got built up over the last few months. Yep. Love so it. we now have people that can do demos. We have people that can do onboarding and they can kind of do it on their own in a US time zone basis. And what's like the main driver of like these trials, like are coming from big commerce or wherever, like what's the, what, what are they mainly expecting or searching for to, to even get to it? Uh, it? It's like everyone comes at it. Everyone wants better conversion. That's what they want. Like ultimately, like the job to be done, the, the actual end point of their journey is I want to convert better. And everyone comes at it from a slightly different angle. One person used fast and wanted that functionality and heard that we got it. Cool. The other one is looking at Bolt and decided that they don't want the pop-up. They want the full checkout replacement. So they come to us. Another person is doing a search for you know better checkout and they come in that way. So it's all these different angles on how do I get a better checkout? And the platform has a huge impact on the customer's point of view. So people on big commerce don't love the traditional checkout. So they want to upgrade to like a different, more modern checkout. When we talk to some, you know, big merchant this morning on Magento, they're like, we just don't want to do any more development on our checkout. Like we just keep doing work on it and we don't feel like it's going to get that much better. So we're ready to just go to a service that does it for a living. Mm. Yeah. It makes it makes it pretty hard actually, because it's not one type of customer with one mindset. It's it's well, very surface level from what I can gather what you've said. It seems like, and, and I know that you're getting into enterprise sales too. Yep. It seems like the non-enterprise sales, the more self-serve are probably com- going for a better checkout. Like that's the main thing, like, like imp- improve or upgrade my checkout to something much better, higher converting. Yep. And then that's right. it's, it's almost like the enterprise, maybe the play there is like you said, like, Oh, we've been on this Magento thing, or we've been on this legacy system. We got to get off of it. We need something more modern. Yeah, uh, and fr- from there, we're we're figuring out what our enterprise sales process looks like because it is a slightly unnatural sales process for people like you and I. We make our decisions ourselves. Maybe we talk to another person or two, and then we decide. We pull out the credit card and we go, and that allows you to. Look at the site, ask some friends, maybe do a demo, maybe not, and then try the product. Mm-hmm. In the enterprise world, because that's so different, you kind of have to match their expectations with the process. And I don't have a ton of experience with that. Yeah. Fortunately, Rob on the team does. So we're we're now kind of laying out our playbook on here's what we need to cover in call one. Here's what call two looks like. We will not give a pricing quote until we have this information because that information uh, has an impact on what we can do for pricing. This is how we talk about an integration cost. And where I'm really focused is in molding the product toward success of that enterprise sales process. Right now, you only have one option. That option is to replace your checkout. And for a $3 million a year big commerce merchant, 
no problem. For a $300 million a year Salesforce merchant, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And because you can't do that, and because it's so high risk, we are building features to be able to be more incremental in nature. So we can say, here is one version of the checkout. It's not your main store. You can put a link to our checkout in your abandoned cart emails, and we'll prove to you that conversion is better in our checkout than yours. And then we can kind of keep moving our way up toward the main store. Yeah, I like it. And 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 it turns out that is where... I really like to focus. I'm kind of being made more aware of this by our investors where they're like, you are doing a great job with the team and you're doing a great job focusing on the product. Don't forget about go to market and and the obsession there. And it's almost like I'm I'm realizing now I'm not as obsessed with go to market as I am with the positioning and strategy around the product itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I I just want to hear more in the next, you know, few weeks and stuff at the the enterprise process, yeah, right? Like the playbook. Like, yeah. Like what, what do you do? Like, like the, the call one, the call two, call three. I yeah. Mean, and, and I've, I've had like inquiries that are clearly enterprise inquiries uh, for all my products, including, you know, zip message up until now. And, and I yeah. sort of just never know what to do with them. Like, I know if that you, I'm just going right. to, I'm just going to drop the ball on them because I don't know how to, how to yes, that's them. what it feels like. Cause you're like, if you don't match their expectations of the process, they don't even know what to do with you. They don't yep. know where to go next. Yeah. So w- we have a bunch of calls when I get back from Hawaii to map out that playbook. Once that's put together, we can do like a session on the podcast around like this is this is how we're doing it, and this is why call one needs to go a certain way and call two needs to go and call three and where pricing comes into play and where yeah. proof of concepts come into play and so on. And then, I, and, you know, then there's like security audits and all this crap, you know, all, all the stuff. All right. How about you? You, uh, um, getting deeper into clarity flow and yes. being out in public. So what are you working it's on? It's out in public. I'm, I always just put the natural pressure on myself to get it moving and shipped. Uh, and you know, it worked, we're shipping incrementally in in pieces, right? It's not like one big mm-hmm. shipping day. Like so far, we've just announced the name. We we've put a one page preview out there. Um, but this past week, so today's Friday, like Monday to Friday this week, I've been ninety percent work of my time has been worked more than that, working on marketing projects. Um, it sort of feels good because I've been so focused on the product for so many months this year. Uh to to finally like because i felt like our progress on marketing was sort of stalled while while i got really inundated in the in the planning and logistics of moving to clarity flow now i'm really trying to get the ball rolling on both marketing but but keeping the foot on the pedal on the product side because we still have so much to ship okay you still have to do both um have to do both. And that's okay. really, that's really challenging. But I, I had a tweet out today. Maybe, maybe I'll turn this into like a regular thing where I sort of just recap the week in terms of, um, you know, what I, this is like a mental model that I've had for years in terms of managing my really small team, but it, it applies really heavily right now for us, which is like, I need every week to count. Every, like we cannot Every day counts, but really every week we need to be shipping. And by shipping, I don't necessarily mean like launching publicly new features, but like there are multiple tracks that need that we need to be making mean like high impact progress on to get to where we need to be as quickly as possible. And like that's like the website, that's uh, the product, getting getting these major features shipped, that's pricing, getting that out the door. Um, and then of course, marketing and getting, getting those like engines up and running, getting top of funnel moving again. Um, all those things have to happen all at the same time. So, uh, luckily my developers have been just cranking on the product roadmap. One of them has been really working on the pricing updates and there's a lot of billing logic update the updates that we had to make. Um, we're really close on that. We're probably going to be launching the new pricing in April. Um, and then my other developer is pushing on, uh, some, he has two new features in his queue, but the one that's closest is, uh, and this came out of a collaboration with one of our, one of our customers, but really all of our customers need a better way to onboard their clients to clarity flow. Okay. 
right? So, so you can, of course, like invite someone to any conversation in the product, but like that's still a little bit clunky, especially if it's a coach and a client. Like they need a more um, direct and like intentional onboarding flow. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to actually set up a system where you can design your own onboarding flows for your clients and insert your own welcome videos and then automatically route them to their conversation with you or their program with you or, you know, so like, and you can design that for every client. Um, and then the other cool thing about this is, and we're sort of like, like solving two problems with one stone here, killing two birds with one stone, which is part of that onboarding flow sends them through into a page where they enable their devices, their camera, their microphone, test them Mm -hmm. out, test your level. Your browser saves that information. So like they're good to go. Right. Like this is just, does the user hold you through the technical onboard? Cause right now it's, it's, it's super easy. And, And again, this goes back to like one of those like fundamental product assumptions from the zip message days going to the clarity flow days the zip message idea was like it's got to be just send a link to someone they can reply to you easy right right and it still operates that way it still will but when it's your client and they've paid thousands of dollars to join your coaching program you don't want them running into like oh i didn't authorize my camera correctly or how do how does this tool work i need to be oriented and, and properly welcomed and I, I, you know, it, it needs to be smoother. And mm-hmm. that may mean a couple of more steps for their client to, to go through, but it's fully tailored for them, right? It's like rolling out the red carpet for each client. Like it, we didn't design it that way from day one. Day one, it was more about like quick, fast, send a link. This is like, okay, you have a serious client relationship here. Let's mm-hmm. treat it with care and give them a welcome sequence, you know? Yeah. The, the, right. The, if it sounds like the big difference is that, uh, initially someone who received a zip message didn't have to be inside of the zip message system in any way in order mm-hmm. to benefit from it. And now is, is the end user, do they end up with like a login and they password do. and like into like a portal, right? Like where they can find their material. They, they do. And that's one of the things we've, al- we've always mm-hmm. had this structure, but it was confusing for the end users, right? So we have account holders or account owners and they can invite team members, but then we also have respondent users, right? That's somebody who has replied to a zip message. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they did create a username and password, but they don't actually own their own account. They, you know, and then we like generate a password for them. We send it to them via email and that's all like kind of confusing right now we're giving them a way to like really tailor that whole experience and get them set up, let them set their password, let them set their camera and then give them a welcome video and then route them to where they need to go, whether that's a conversation or a coaching program or something like that. And then they have an account, effectively a sub account with clarity flow underneath the like parent. Well, they still, they're still registering as a respondent user. Um, and they, they just become a contact in the in the account owner's mm-hmm. account, yep. um, but now they have a login and they could use that even if they interact with like multiple different accounts, they can they can still use that same login, you know. So, okay. Um, so you know, I, so that that should be coming in April. Um, but all that has been in progress. Like I spent my hours on that two three weeks ago, specking it out, designing it, giving it to my developer. He's been running on that, and now I'm working on marketing um so yeah i don't know I, I mean i don't know if you want to jump back to something you got no i i, I feel like i talked i feel like i talked for a while i, I want to see what what initial steps you're taking on marketing that someone asked about this on twitter today um and i want to so i i've talked a little bit of this year about i'm moving a you know i've, I've talked about how i hire contractors for different roles but there, I still have a few people who I consider to be core team teammates, team members. Those are my developers. And right now I have one marketing assistant. Um, she kind of started as a VA, but she's, she's more skilled and talented and, and smart and capable than that. Um, so she's grown, she's grown, she, she's eager to grow and I want her to grow 
into more of a uh, marketing creator, marketing assistant, marketing manager, but you know, she, she can, she can really execute on marketing projects really well, but she needs sort of training on the skills and experience in uh, our product, especially as we move into clarity flow with the whole new positioning. Um, and so what I spent this week doing is first of all, just completely overhauling from scratch the way that we even think about um, SEO and keyword research and uh, and and like the game plan going forward. So that means like just like basically, I took that in house. I, I I used to hire contractors for that stuff, and I and I ran into a lot of challenges, frankly, with like just out trying to outsource that kind of that kind of work. And I wanted to take it in house so that first of all, me, but ultimately my assistant can can have that in house deep knowledge expertise of clarity flow of who our best customers are how they use our product and then how to connect those dots to the content that we have produced and how we position our con our you know connect you know just like connecting all these dots we need somebody in-house to to have that so and that and that even comes down to like choosing which keywords we go after and which topics we write about um, in which order um and so I worked on the process for keyword research. And then I also worked on the process for article briefs, like writing up a really strong brief that we can hand to a writer. Um, and we're incorporating some AI like sprinkled into parts of, the, of that stuff. I won't get into the weeds on it, but mm -hmm. ultimately it's like deep documentation and notion for these SOPs. I, I did it myself a few times. I recorded some videos in still zip message sending it to her and she's going to continue to run that like month after month um and you know and then i i'm putting a budget on it like we're, we want to be producing like x number of new articles and tracking it with hrefs and analytics and we've got processes and reports for that she's sort of and i'm setting up all the operations for that so that she can run it every month and i'm putting in those hours on it right now to ultimately get you know, remove myself. She runs it. She reports back to me, and then I can spend most of my hours on product again. So, so it sounds like the the majority of the effort is around content publishing, keyword SEO, inbound, right? So, it's nothing That's, too out of the ordinary for you in terms of like going out and I don't know, doing like an AppSumo deal or like webinars or right. something too too out of the uh, out of the normal. The way that I think about it is. There's going to be multiple tracks, multiple channels on marketing, but there's a few like core engines that we just have to have up and running or, you know, or overhauling or improving. One of them is SEO content. That's definitely a channel for us. It's, it's been working pretty well for us, but we got to, we got to perform a lot better on that. Um, so that's, that's what this was like, get this engine finely tuned and up and running again. Um, and, but like layered on top of that, like, I've got another outside contractor who would be running PPC ads for us. Um, that'll probably come in the next few months. Um, but then when it comes to like webinars and influencers and, and we do have an affiliate right, program, that's stuff that like I've, I have tried last year to like actively push on that. And I did mm -hmm. some webinars, did some integrations, did some different things. Like those are all good to do. And I'm happy to do them anytime they come up. Right. It doesn't take much time or effort to, to hop on a webinar with someone. I have slide decks already created, ready to go. Yep. But they are hit and miss. Yeah, um, it's not as repeatable and steady. It, it's all, and it's also not as repeatable. Like, number one, like sometimes they might drive a lot of customers, sometimes they might try, drive none. Second of all, like, I just can't guarantee that I am going to book three webinars every single month. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, that's right. So yeah, there, there's that, but you know, so there are those other things that I want to like layer on. I, I, I would also like to attend more conferences where coaches are hanging out. That's another thing that I would like that's, to do. I was about to say, and I just realized that I, ha I have to go in just two minutes. Yeah. Um, but in, I know in our world, it's very true that the top people in the industry 
everyone's looking at, everyone's paying attention to, and everyone is pretty closely monitoring what they're doing, what tech they use, and so on. So for us, a few large landmark lighthouse customers are a breakthrough. Right. So I, I look at your situation, I, I have to assume that aspiring and coaches in whatever successful degree, they're looking at the most successful people in the industry. And if you yeah. can get some of them on board, totally. that will that will tip things over. 100%. That, that's definitely on my mind um, is just getting to more conferences where not only coaches are hanging out, but really influential coaches are hanging out mm -hmm. or influential people or products that influence coaches. And there's, yeah. there's a bunch of, you know, cause I've, I've only attended conferences that like I I'm interested in hanging out with like, yeah, you gotta go beyond, um, yeah. you know, founder summit. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to open up to like other conference ideas. Um, it, you, know. you will, you will not be too surprised that in venture world, that is acknowledged as so important that startups that raise money will just pay those customers. I know for a fact, our competitors offer large amounts of money, like use our product and we will give you like a hundred thousand dollars, things like that. Uh, wow. Because those are so, it's like, it's like, would you spend a hundred thousand dollars on a really successful marketing campaign? If you've raised $30 million? Yes, you would. So you know what the most successful campaign is? A really successful customer that loves you and talks about you and you could use as a logo. So it's kind of very understandable that that it's done. 100%. Yeah. Yo, Yo I got a boogie. I'm not around right. next week. I'm at the pool with my Mai Tais and a tan. That's where I'm right. at on Friday night. I better week. not see any tweets from you or DMs or any work happening. I mean, there might be some shit posting. <laughs> there might be some right. shit posting. Okay. It's fine. All right, brother. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Have a great, have a great trip. Yeah.